Hello, friends. Welcome to Casting Nets, a podcast about real life and living faith. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave. I'm sorry if I'm rude, and I'm with Pastor Will. I'm sorry for the sound of my Harley. Uh, it's good to have you here on our 100th episode. How many of our listeners do you think have been with us, with, been with you for 100 episodes? I would like to say everyone, but I know that's probably not true. Um, I know we've we've gathered a lot more than than we started with, and so uh, um, for all the new listeners, welcome and thank you for listening. For all the old listeners, thank you for sticking around for the nonsense that we call a show. And um, I'm I'm happy to be able to uh, facilitate an opportunity for other pastors, myself included, to just kind of bring our conversations that we talk about um, outside of the pulpit, outside of the Bible study, outside of, of maybe some of the ears of our people, and bring them into a conversation where, where people get an opportunity to sort of see what happens when, when we kind of take the tie off and we, we take the collar, uh, the, the collar off and, and um, we just talk like people. And, and I know probably you're, you're thinking, well, don't pastors talk about sports and don't they talk about, uh, we do that too, but those aren't as interesting. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, our interesting topic for today is church is done. Now what? Uh, last week we gave all American Christianity a grade of F. American Christianity got that grade because it was focused on individuality versus uh, community. It also got that grade uh, because they didn't properly deal with guilt. So now today our topic is church is done. Now what? Uh, so it has a double meaning. So we, we think of it, well, if we just uh, uh, gave a, a failing grade to churches, now, 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 what do we do? What does the church, that is the gathering of believers, what do they do? And it also has a meaning as a church, the gathering of believers is done on Wednesday. Now what? Uh, the, we're looking at the scope and the purpose and the sphere of works. What are, we, what are we to do between Sunday and the next Sunday or between worship times? Uh, what, where is the proper sphere and purpose of the works that we do? But before we begin that, let's uh, do a disclaimer uh, Will and I are pastors who hold ourselves and each other to the Bible and the Lutheran confessions. But what is about to come out of our mouths doesn't speak for our churches, our church body, or even ourselves. If we're, right, we're just letting you in on a conversation between pastors. We're spouting off ideas. We're bouncing them off each other. Maybe we'll get it right. Maybe something will stick. Maybe not. But either way, you are welcome to listen to our conversation. You are welcome to participate. You can uh, talk to either Will or I uh, before or after church or during the week. You can uh, engage with us on Facebook. You can send us an email at castingnetspod uh, at gmail.com. Very good. Um, but you, So you're welcome to join us. You're welcome to listen. You are also welcome to leave, too. Uh, no worries. Uh, this is a podcast about real life, living faith, and we want you to live free because your life is lived free in Christ. We're back, and um, we have an opportunity to to talk probably about the the what happens after the church doors close and and pastors and elders kick everybody out and the lights get turned off, <clears throat> and and so this was actually a part of we're we're, we're kind of doing a, a, a sensing a theme <laughs> that we're sort of creating here, and and the theme is is really working along. Um, 
how do we live? How do we, how do we interact with each other? Um, how, what is this church thing? And, and what is this Christian thing? Um, and it, I think it's shaping up to be a pretty good, um, conversation. Um, and this, our hundredth episode, what better conversation to have than, than to take a look at, um, the Christian and the things that they do in, in the community in which they're found. And, and I think this is, a um, in many ways, I find this to be a very uncomfortable topic for me, and and in some ways, I find it to be a very needful topic. Um, and and uh, you know, I, I pride myself at making other people feel uncomfortable, um, but but now I have an opportunity to feel uncomfortable myself only in the sense that when we deal with good works, um, you're dealing in a sphere of sanctification. And sanctification is one of those things that can be completely misused and often is misunderstood. And and so I I try, I'm not saying I avoid sanctification, I, I don't avoid it, but I do avoid trying to get bogged down in conversations about sanctification because most often than not, I've, it's been my experience, people leave saying, well, pastor said... And and now it's not now it's not sanctification anymore. It's law. So maybe we should start. Maybe maybe we our our podcast should start before we move in and and maybe just briefly talk about the differences between what is law, what is grace, and and then what is sanctification. And as we kind of move our way through, and then we will will kind of move our way into to what uh, what flows from sanctification. Uh, yeah, that's a, a good way to go. I had, Will had sent me some uh, links to some articles about how people talked about good works, and it was just fascinating to see for me to see just how confused uh, people who claim to be experts in God's word are. You know, they'll say things like, "Good works are not necessary for salvation." The point, the, uh, the one of the, the five things we learn about good works: uh, good works are not necessary for salvation. We're saved by grace alone. And then the very next point was, but Jesus is gonna uh, gonna look at them at the end of the world, and he's gonna judge you according to your old works, and and it's like, which one is it? Or or the better one? The better one? It is by faith alone, but your faith better have good works <laughs> with it because faith can't be alone. Well, which one is that? Is it is it faith alone, or or is it faith plus? Um, and, and so, so, so dear listener, um, what we are going to try to parse out for you as you, you have an opportunity to wrestle with this, uh, along with us is very, very simple. Okay. So the scriptures core doctrines are, are the law and the gospel and the law and the gospel is found in the old Testament and found in the new Testament. And to give you a, a very quick and dirty primer on, on what we teach our kids in confirmation and we try to teach our adults in, in every sermon, um, which almost is obnoxious because you have to remind them every Sunday, is that the law is what we are required to do. It is the do's and the don'ts. Um, think of the Ten Commandments on steroids. And the gospel is what Christ has done for you, what God has accomplished for you on your behalf. That's the quick and the dirty on law and gospel, okay? So so the law is, this is what you are supposed to do. And by the way, you're a failure. That's uh, the mirror, the second second use of the law. 
um, as opposed to the the curb, which is the first use first use of the law, which is is um, you do this and you do it wrong, you get punished. We then have the gospel, which says you who failed have it succeededly done perfectly in Christ, and and wow, great. Well, then that leads to the third, and and I wouldn't say that it's the third because it's not the two main teachings of Scripture, but it's the third corollary that flows from all of that, which is living in what Christ has done for you. We call that big word sanctification. It's the work of the Holy Spirit as he he brings faith into our heart and and encourages us to live free and to engage in a world, um, uh, taking it from let the bird fly, given back to us, uh, a world given back to us. Thank you, uh, Wade Johnston and, and Mike Berg for that. As and, and that's a wonderful podcast, by the way. Here's a plug. I, not that we're going to make any money off of it. But here's that that wonderful that wonderful opportunity, right? That that God is is given us the Holy Spirit to engage with the grace that He is has given. This is faith. He He works it in us, and now we engage. We live in it, um, constantly refreshed by it, and and it changes who we are. That's sanctification. You want to add some other stuff to that? I would just say uh, every I would. If I was sitting in the pew and I listened to a sermon that essentially said what you just said to me, he'd be like, oh, that's great. You leave church. Your church is done. I'm ready to do good. And then you fail. You didn't, you didn't live up to what you were. If you listened to God's word, you're like, this is what I'm going to do now. And now you fail. And it's Monday afternoon. Now what, Pastor Harley? Well, you know... Well, the truth is we all fail, right? Um, and this is where, um, and it's kind of, and, and I'm going to say this tongue-in-cheek, not because it's not in the scripture, but because the the idea of it wasn't necessarily flushed out and fleshed out and given given muscle and, and skin until the Reformation, and actually a little bit beyond the Reformation, I would say. Um, it's this idea of um, what we call the third use of the law. And the third use of the law is is something that mankind struggles with, all Christendom struggles with, and I think Lutherans struggle with even the most. And we are the ones that claim the third use of the law. Um, outside of all of the other denominations, Christian denominations, we claim the third use of the law, I think, more than anyone. Um, and, the, and the third use of the law is very simply, um, God has given back to us uh, uh, opportunities to express our love for him and for others in the freedom that he has given to us through the gospel. And our re-engaging with our Lord is this third use of the law. So, in other words, what we see in, in the first two uses of the law, we would say, okay, the law is a curb. If I break God's law, I deserve to be punished. That's that's the curb. The mirror says, here's what God says to do. So, so let's say we're going to look at the tables of the law, the first three uh, of the commandments are a relationship to God. You have no other gods before him. Nothing. Put your trust, your your faith, your your reliability on no one other than Christ, on, on God. Um, you know, don't misuse his name. That means uh, claiming you're a Christian and then going and living a horrible life and, and, and doing everything that is outside of what a Christian should be doing. Um, shows that you you are breaking the second commandment, um, the third commandment. You know, honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Um, the idea of of actually enjoying Bible study 
and actually enjoying coming to church instead of waking up in the morning. Oh man, it's a Sunday again. I got to do this. And by the way, pastors do that too. We wake up in the morning. We're like, what? I got to go to, I got to go to work again. Um, Especially during Lent. Especially during Lent, you know, when I wake up in the afternoon from my nap and say, oh, what? I got church at four. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't nap. Not during the day. But but it's that idea, Just behind though. the wheel. Yeah. As I drive from place to place. But that idea is is the, the this, this sense, right, that, that there is nothing we can do because in every way we're breaking the law. And, and, and okay, so that was just the first table. The second table, the law, commandments four through 10, deal with our relationship to other people and and how we break that all the time. Uh, we've talked numerous times on this podcast about how we break the fourth commandment just by speaking bad about government or or things, but it goes with parents. Um, but I mean, the the fact of, of murder, you know, if you do a life, uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday, you're going to be talking about that, I mean, in spades. Um, or, or the idea of adultery and, and what a conversation you could have about, um, what's going on in this uprise of, of LGBTQ. I, I'm sure there's more that follow that and I can't remember it all, but that idea of, of how that goes against what God has instilled in the marriage bed and, and the beauty of, of that relationship. And also, and, and not just in that realm, but also in the realm of, of kids living with each other before they're married, you know, um, men and women doing that or having children out of wedlock, um, or engaging in those acts or, or the sexting or the, I think they do Snapchat now. I, I can't remember all the new things that are coming out that are giving kids an opportunity to indulge in things that are, are against the sixth commandment. And, and I mean, that's, that's, we're not even to 10 yet. Um, it shows that mirror. So very difficult for us to to not look at that and say, okay, the first two uses, they apply to everyone. The game changes, though, when Christ encounters us and and the Spirit works in us, and um, that, that game changes. I, I want to read from for you just a, a, a little bit. Um, Loki Communis uh, is a, uh, from 1521 is, is written by uh, Melanchthon. Um, and, and this is before Melanchthon kind of went off the rails and, and said, I need to, to make it perfect. And, and so, you know, he, he wrote off the cuff and, and really this is some of his lectures that other people wrote down. Anyway, he he said in here, um, once that I think is kind of telling and leading where we want to go when we talk about the third use of the law, he said, uh, for when we, uh, simulate good works outside of faith, our heart thinks in the following way. I have done what I can, but I don't know whether God approves or disapproves of my works. The judge is severe. I do not know whether he has had mercy on me or not. And then he says, with this kind of thinking, how can we not be angry with the judgment of God? And I think that's really telling because it's my impression, and I could be wrong. But it's my impression that many churches in in the world today, and, and confessing Christian churches, are law, gospel, law. In other words, here's the law, we, we have failed, here's the gospel, here's what Christ has done, now you must do. That that that's the teaching in a nutshell. And in Lutheranism specifically, but 
I would say biblical Christianity is law, you haven't done. Gospel, Christ has done for you. Live. And and I and 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 I'm gonna turn it back over to you, but I wanna I wanna I want to sort of hedge that comment in in the words from John chapter eight, verse thirty-six, where Jesus himself says, So if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. Now go. Yeah. Uh it is uh very refreshing to hear something like that because if we ever finish our sermon with the law we can't determine which use of the law that'll be taken. Someone might, it might hit someone first use and say, well, I'm, I'm a sinner and I don't do this. But just the idea of be who God has made you to be. And not in the sense that you get to determine what God has made you to be, but God in his word says, you are my child. You are someone, you are a machine that I have created to do good works in this world. And, We'll talk more about the purpose of those good works in a little bit, but just the idea of be who God has made you to be. You're a machine that's now been fixed, uh, and you are equipped by God through his gospel to do good in this world. And don't fear failure, because you are going to fail. And and you know what? Um, I'm going to pick up off of what you just said there. Don't fear failure. And I am going to refer to a TED Talk that I, I yes, every now and then I, I play around and listen to TED Talks. And some of them are very good. Some of them are completely useless. Um, but the one that I was listening to is actually really good. Um, and it was called, and, and the reason I was attracted to it, because it said it was the Super Mario effect. And it brought back all of the memories and the nostalgia of playing Nintendo and, and for some of you, you're probably like, I don't know what Nintendo is. And others are like, oh, I remember Nintendo. And some of you who are maybe listening are, are older and say, I remember the day we didn't have television. And, and that's okay. Um, but I remember Nintendo and I remember playing Super Mario. And, and this TED Talk had the Super Mario effect. And the Super Mario effect was when we no longer frame things in the form of a test. And, and we no longer look at things as saying there's the possibility of failure and, and when I fail, I no longer have any other opportunity. And we reframe it in an opportunity that there's always another chance. There's always another opportunity to, to do it right. And, and that's that Super Mario, right? You know, you'd walk, you'd, you'd hop around and then you have the little turtles that would... Uh, their, their shells would bounce off of everything and you'd hit the shell, you get hit by the shell and you die. And then you'd start all over and you got to do it again. But, but you learned and you could do it again. And then, oh, you're hopping around and one of those little, little pipe plants pop up and nail you. And you're like, oh man, and, but you now know it's there and, and you get to redo it again. And, and you keep getting to go through this and eventually you, you kind of start where, you know, I, I, I can go through this and, and I can, I, I get these, these opportunities. And, I, I was thinking about that during the TED Talk because we were preparing for this podcast, and I'm thinking to myself, <clears throat> how awesome is that TED Talk when applied to sanctification? Be- because that's kind of the thing, right? Sanctification is is the Lord continue to bring you back to the level and saying, okay, let's try it again. No, no harm, no foul. And 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 please, I'm not undercutting the law. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not removing the pressure of the law but what i'm saying is is that in in this 
life of sanctification that we live in, in the freedom of the gospel that we have in the forgiveness of sins, I don't have to, to engage with God's laws, the Ten Commandments, um, with this idea that if I don't do them, I'm condemned to hell and there's, and, and, and there's no hope. Um, now, does my sinful nature need that? Yes. And, and that's a, that, I guess that's a totally different concept or, or a totally different conversation for another time because we're dealing with the sphere and the purpose of good works and, and this life of sanctification and what do we do after we've been fed this grace. But, but what I'm thinking is how that Super Mario effect plays into sanctification. And I, I think it's kind of neat to think about. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, I think the uh, uh, the reevaluation of our relationship with God is a good one. As we leave church, as we are living in the world between Sunday and Sunday, just that realization that we are a machine, a machine that God has designed to do good works, uh, and we should consider the work of God in our lives as the the acting work, and we're, we're the accomplished work. Um, the machine breaks down. The acting work is fixing the machine, and that's what God does in his word and his gospel. The accomplished work is the machine running as it should. So when the acting work of Jesus uh, forgiving us our sins happens, there's no reason for us to even be surprised that we would find ourselves doing his work because we've been fixed. This is what we are to do. Uh, this is this is where the sphere of good works is in this is we're we're living as we are called to do this last wednesday i had devotion at our area lutheran high school and it was on second peter uh chapter two, uh first peter i should say first peter chapter 2 11 and 12 where it says dear friends i urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us. And during that devotion, I talked about uh, Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things isn't the same. And I had a picture of myself 20 years ago in Japan among uh, some Japanese people. You looked at that and you said, there's one person that doesn't seem like like they belong. And Peter is telling us, Christians, we're living in this world, but we're not going to belong because, one, what we view as good and what is right is different than the world's views. And we do good for different reasons than the world does. The world looks at uh, doing good in terms of the golden rule. I do good for others, and I get something in return. Um, and it's so easy for us to translate that into our spiritual life, too, to say, if I'm good between Sunday and Sunday, then I get blessings from God in return. But we do good because that's who we are. We are God's children. We are machines that have been fixed. Yeah, uh, Peter does mention a delayed uh, gratification here when he says that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And that's that's a long, 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 long delayed gratification just to think all the good things that we do between Sunday and Sunday and at the end of all things when we see Jesus in all of his glory that somehow those good things will be recognized then or that those who mistreated us because we did good and they viewed at that and persecuted us because they said, well, that's just silly. 
uh, what you're doing or that's evil that you're doing even, uh, that at the end of all things, they will have to acknowledge that uh, God's way was right. And so it moves us to the part of the conversation where we talk about the purpose of uh, the good works that we have. And uh, you quoted Melanchthon from Loki uh, Communes, and I would like to quote from Pieper's uh, Christian Dogmatics, and Pieper is actually quoting from Luther. So this is Dave Rudat quoting from Pieper, quoting from Luther. And it was five things of why we do good works. What is the purpose of the good works that we do? And number one was is that they fit in line. It's the... Um, it's the norm of God's will. That's why we do good works. That's the purpose of them because it follows in line with God's will. God's will is that we do these good things. So that's the purpose. That's the reason why. I, I think we might just want to want to briefly remind people that that Pieper and Luther they they wane theological, and and sometimes the the terms that they use are not outside of the realm of being understood very well, but sometimes they're like, what were they trying to say? And and that word norm probably is one that will say, well, what was truly meant there? And so what we mean by the word norm is that... Not norm from cheers. Yeah, not norm from cheers, not a norm, uh, but the idea that the way that God usually operates, that that's that's the norm. So so when we're saying that that doing good things is the way that God operates... That's 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 how he operates, and so his children doing good things is how we operate because we are a reflection of that, and and I think that's so. If you're if you're kind of we're looking and saying what does it mean to be the norm? Well, that means it's it's the way that that God operates, and therefore because we're his children, that's how we operate. So take us down the road again. Okay, so very good. So that would be uh, number one. Number two, the purpose for God's work is that uh, it's actually. God's works, good works are God's works. He is the cause of them. That the, the machine concept that I was talking about before, where we're the machine, God's active work is fixing us, and the uh, the, uh, the 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 accomplished work is us actually doing uh, the work that He has called us to do. So that's number two. Number three, which I thought was interesting, was the reason why we do good works. The purpose of good works is to show to us that the Holy Spirit is actually in us. The, it's a testament that we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And uh, I, can, I can see that, uh, just looking back at my own life, just the idea of, I did something, you know, thinking back at something that I did that was really hard for me to do, but I knew it was the right thing to do, and you got done with that and you said, I don't think I could have done that on my own. Like the Holy Spirit must have been uh, leading me to do this the right way because, boy, I would not, that was not my first choice. Maybe I was even internally kicking and screaming uh, going ahead and doing this, but the Holy Spirit has led me to do that. So it's a neat thing. Maybe Christians don't think about that when they think of the, the purpose of their good works is that this is God giving you a comfort, knowing that he is actually working, actually working in your life and not uh, some far off place. Well, and... And thinking of the purpose of of that, just thinking about how many times Christians some uh, do things without even thinking about them, and and those are the good things that God has created and placed in advance for us to walk in them. I I, I always uh I, you know dealing with with this idea that that you know 
we're kind of the machine that he is repaired to do a purpose and, and to walk through life for a, for a reason. I, I, it brings me back to Ephesians um, chapter 2, right? And, and you go to, to verse 10, that we are created in Christ Jesus, um, um, God's workmanship, to do good thing or good works that he has created in advance for us to do. Um, this idea of, of being recreated in Christ, repaired in Christ, for a purpose. I mean, it, I think the worst thing that you could do as a Christian is to say that God has not given you something, right, um, to engage with. And, and, I, and I like to frame it in that way, that we are given something to engage with and not to do. Because as soon as you say to do, I'm, I'm dragging myself back to the law. I'm dragging myself back to the law and saying over and over and over again, um, I have to. I ha- and then it becomes laborious. Um, this comes back, and, and uh, this I swear this will be my last TED Talk illustration. This comes back to the placebo effect. Um, there was a TED Talk that I was listening to about the placebo effect. And the placebo effect was was they one of the tests that they did is they gave um, two groups of people morphine um, after surgery. And one they had on a computer drip. So, so the, 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 the person who received the morphine didn't, didn't know they were receiving it. It would, the computer would just engage and give them morphine. The other would have a doctor come in and actually be there, talk with the person and administer the morphine. Same exact dosage, same exact timing, everything. And they found the one who, who received the, the dosage from the doctor, the, the medicine had more of an effect um, on lowering their pain than the one who just received it without anybody coming in and, and referring to them. And they had a bunch of other tests that they've done for this placebo effect. But I think it comes back down to to the idea that when we switch our mindset and we, when we engage as these new creations and we engage as ones now who are, are the homes of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit, as you've been saying, and we're now engaging... If, if we view what we do in the world as an engagement and we view it as sort of the, and you go back to the Super Mario effect, we, we, we view it as opportunities to, to learn, opportunities to experience, opportunities to live, opportunities to grow. Um, it changes the mindset and it, it, it's no longer laborious work. It, it's no longer, oh, I got to do this, you know. Yes, there's the, there's the sinful nature that kicks and screams and, 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 and will continue to do so. Um, and then the law comes and wallops it over the head. But for that new man to to have the opportunity to engage and to live is, I think, a, a, a very important mindset that we can't get away from. Because I've heard, and you've heard too, and, and I want to get back to your list. I, I'm, I'm sorry for, for interrupting. Um, I'm not, but I'll say I, I will. <laughs> <clears throat> um, we've all heard our people say, we have to, or we should, or even in confirmation, um, well, you know, uh, one of the things we're working on is the law in confirmation right now. And, and it's I a good say, thing to work on. It is a good thing to, to be reminded of. But I said to him, how does, how does the law, every, every time we talk about one of the commandments, I'll, I, I end our conversation with, because of what Christ has done, how is this law now a guide? And every week, and you would think they would finally learn. They don't. Every week, well, it tells us that we should. No, that, that's not a guide. But it tells us that we should. 
you still didn't get it. That's that's not a guide. It, it just explains to me more and more how we struggle with this concept of engaging with the things that God has created us to do. As you have been saying, he's, he's made this machine to, to do this and do it beautifully. And we struggle with it. Have you ever wondered where is God in the pandemic or where is God when life is going hard and, or, or life just throws everything up and it's chaotic. And we are reminded in the Bible that our God is a God who hides himself who uses us, we are his hands, his heart, his eyes, his voice in this world. And that can be an extremely empowering thing for the Christian to say, I get to be the ambassador of God in this world. I don't have to necessarily uh, um, be the, the lawyer that I have to always defend him all the time. He'll defend himself through his word. But I get to be the one who cares for someone else. I get to be the one who helps someone else. And this is actually God helping them through me. And I would like to piggyback off that and just, you know, because we don't want to ignore the scriptures. <clears throat> and so uh, Paul, he, he spends an exuberant amount of time um, in Romans trying to lead the Romans to understand what is the law, what is the gospel, and, and what is sanctification. And in, in chapter 7, of Romans, he says this in verse, starting at verse four, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you always were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law. And, and I think there's the highlight. We have been released from the law since we have died to what held us so that we may serve in a newness of the spirit and not in the order in the old letter of the law. And, and, I, and I think, and here's the point that, that Paul is making from that is, is, okay, yes, our sinful nature needs the law that, that says do this or, or you're going to be punished because it, it wants to do everything contrary to God. But this new man that God has created in us through the Spirit, it, it engages with the beauty of what God has provided. And, and it engages in, in, in this wonderful world that God has given to us. And, and the beauty of it is, is it naturally bears fruit. And, and I think this is an important thing for us to understand. Um, I, at the parsonage where, where, where we used to live in South Dakota, um, I, I, we had two apple trees and I planted some more fruit trees all around and we planted, uh, grapevines, all these types of things. And I was amazed. And, 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 and here's what amazed me. Um, I was there for almost 10 years and every year those trees would flower and bees would come and they would get pollinated. And then I would stand outside. I would stand outside before church in the mornings on Sunday, and I'd stand outside throughout the day, and I would listen. And never once did I hear the trees complain about bearing fruit. It was amazing. I expected it. In fact, I, I, I told my members often, 
that with as much fruit that uh, as those trees were bearing and, and the, the amount the leaves or the, the, the bows would start to, to come down, the, the branches would start to bow down, I thought for sure I would hear them screaming out, how dare God want me to do this? How dare God make me do this? And never once did I hear those fruit trees ever complain about bearing fruit because that's what they do. That's, that's God created them to bear fruit. And that's what they did. And I think that's what we're talking about. Yeah, the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in us, and it, we, this is what we are to do. This is it shouldn't surprise us that we're doing good for others, that we're putting others first, that we're uh, loving others unconditionally, that we are showing uh, compassion in this world because God has shown us compassion, because God is living in us, that God has engaged with us so that we could engage the world. So that's number three. Number four. Uh, the reason why we do good works, the purpose of good works, is that they last longer. And that all the earthly possessions that we have are going to pass away. Everything that we've accomplished in an earthly sense is going to pass away. The, the buildings that we build, the cabins that we build, that's all going to be burned in fire. The, the technology that we buy, that's all going to be burned in fire. However, the good that we do for others that's caused and created by God working in us that will last for an eternity. And are, are you sure? Because I, I, I'm pretty sure that we live in a world that has told me that if I have the money, I need to donate it so that my name will be put on a building because that will last a really long time. <laughs> name a star. Name. There you go. Name I can a buy a star for my wife, and, and I can name it. And isn't that going to be a? Isn't that going to last forever? I mean, I mean, that's. I think that's what people really think. Uh, and and it sounds ridiculous, but but you know, we we invest our time in so many things that we think are going to be lasting, and and I, I think there's this good reminder that that the ability that God gives us to live life in Him as new creations in the Spirit, as we talk about this life of sanctification, the purpose of it is we get to live seeing the people we've influenced by God's direction in heaven. Um, isn't it Paul who, who references that, that, that um, all the people that he, I can't remember if it was in Romans or if it was Corinthians. Um, I'd have to go back and look it up um, where he says that, 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 uh, um, that what he was doing among them, that, that they were his reward, right? In heaven, that, that seeing them, um, was was his reward that, well, that those things were were so influential for him. The thing that came to mind was Galatians six, which is not quite what you said, but a little bit closer, uh, or the same concept. He says, "The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life." Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So Paul is talking about that there is going to be a, uh, a honor and respect in heaven for the good that we have done for others. Now, this is different from bliss. It's not that uh, 
we're going to have degrees of bliss where we're going to have some uh, Christians who have done a lot of good in this world. They're going to get a better reward or a greater reward, but it's more of the idea of honor and respect. You think of how many people are going to go up to King David in heaven and just thank him for all of his psalms, especially the psalms that talk about the anguish of the soul and how miserable they are or how in anguish they are. Maybe even those psalms where where uh, David is saying, I'm under attack all the time, and Lord, just come with your, uh, with your justice and, and bring justice on the world. And how comforting that was for so many believers who are, who are just feeling attacked and feeling alone, feeling like, Lord, please come quickly and do your, do your justice um, and to find that they had a partner, a, a brother uh, in time, but a brother nonetheless who said the same exact thing, and the Holy Spirit who who kept it, preserved it, so that people could see that this kind of attitude is not unusual for God's people to have. And I think that's important because I, I see it. Okay, now we're 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 gonna we're gonna fly forward in time here a little bit, but I see that happening in our society. Um, I I see uh, I see a disconnect um, over this last year and almost. Yeah, a couple of months into the new year already, um, where the encouragement and the good, the good works of the church amongst themselves and into the world, I think have have waned. Um, and and I don't know if it's pandemic related or if it's if it's other. I, I, that's another conversation, probably for another time. But I think it's important for us to realize is that that. Um, there's no time frame on the good things God has placed in in advance for us to engage with, um, and there's and there's a lasting benefit to them, um, that go further than just the the opportunity that we had. Um, one of my uh professors I had a long time ago, um, used to to do beer, and that was his thing. He would make beer in his basement. And and so a lot of his illustrations revolved around beer, um, oddly enough. But one of his illustrations that he had given was was when we deal with sanctification and deal with good works, he said, and you know, they they, they become a reward for us in heaven, right? And he says, think of it like this. And he says, think of getting to heaven and and uh, everyone gets beer. And he said, and uh, some of you. Um, engaged with with the opportunities God has given in in a small amount and you get a shot glass filled with beer and some other people engaged with all the opportunities that God has given to them and they received a stein full of beer but he said the awesome thing about heaven was that every time you took a sip of that beer the glass would automatically refill so does it really matter if you had a shot glass or a stein and I thought that is a really kind of neat way to look at 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 the grace of our Lord because maybe maybe you, dear listener, came to faith later in life and, and you haven't had many opportunities or you haven't perceived many opportunities to to live in embracing this life of sanctification that God has given to you, right? That you haven't had all these opportunities to embrace the, the goodness that God has placed in advance for you to engage with. 
at least in, res- in, in respect to maybe someone who was baptized as a young child and they had those opportunities throughout school and they had opportunities um, in their married life. Um, maybe, maybe you didn't get those yet. Um, and so you, you can sometimes get down and say, well, I'm not going to have. But, but that idea of, of, of the things God places for us to do have lasting results into eternity because they're God's things, not our things, right? Mm-hmm. I think is an amazing concept. And it is one of comfort for us to recognize that uh, when we're doing good in this world, somebody is paying attention, even if nobody in this world is paying attention. And not necessarily that that serves as a great motivation. I mentioned this First uh, Peter 2 before because that's a long, long-term gratification to, to think about those who oppose you or those who say uh, your good works are garbage are eventually going to have to acknowledge that those were actually good works and uh, that there will be an acknowledgement of the good things that we do for others. That's a long, long time to wait. Um, but maybe it is a little bit of a reassuring for the believer not to say that I'm doing, not to get into the whole, uh, this is, I'm doing this because, but just the, the idea of I'm doing this because that's who I am, but not because I'm going to get a reward in heaven or that my reward is going to be greater than your reward or my reward is going to be less than somebody else's reward because they've been a Christian longer than I have. Uh, I think it's just an acknowledgement by God that what he is doing here on earth has repercussions for an eternity. Uh, To be able to sit around and talk with King David, for example, or maybe talk to the women of faith, those two um, midwives who spared all of those uh, those uh, kids in Egypt uh, from Pharaoh's hand, just to be able to talk to them about what was that like to live in, with, with a government that was a, trying to exterminate your people and to be able just to talk to them and just say thank you for doing that or thanking all of the, the heroes of faith for giving their examples to us uh, and for people coming to us and say thank you for your example, uh, Mom, or thank you for your example, Grandma or Grandpa. Um, just that idea of these things are going to last for an eternity. The things that we have here on earth just aren't going to last because they're not that good. And, and, and to follow that up, I think there's something to be said that, that needs to be said. Okay, dear listen, this podcast is about sanctification and good works. We are not giving you the key to open up heaven. That's Christ himself. Christ is the key who opens up heaven. He is the very door, the, the narrow way uh, by which we enter. Um, and only through him and only by him and only because of him uh, do we have any right uh, or any freedom to be able to say, um, I can do these things and I have the abilities to do these things to engage with this. That being said, I, I, I think, you know, you go to James and and Luther hated the book of James. Uh, not hated like as in, oh, it was horrible, but hated the book of James in the sense that so many people turned to that for the wrong reasons. And the book of James is a really good book about sanctification. And in, and in the book of James, um, James, the brother of, of Jesus, says, you know, um, you show me your faith, and I will show you my faith by what I do. With the idea that, that um, it is by faith alone that one is saved, because the Holy Spirit gives us faith, connects us to Christ Jesus and, and, and what Christ Jesus has done. Um, 
It is, it is an unwavering trust in the very words and promises of our God. But that faith is never alone in the sense that a, 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 a fruit tree is a fruit tree because it bears fruit. It's not a fruit tree because it just stands there. And, and so you say, okay, that's my fruit tree and it never bears fruit. Then it's not a fruit tree. And, and, and so you say, well, here's my faith. But if the faith, if, if faith never bears the fruit of faith, then it's not faith. Um, because it, it, it produces, it, it just produces. It's what it does. Um, and I think we have to put that in that perspective, um, that that all of what we are talking about is in service to the gospel itself. Well, that's number five. Well, there you go. That's See? number five of Dave Rudat's quote of uh, Peeper's quote of Luther is that all of our good works serve the gospel. Uh, that's uh, that's we're only here for a short ter- time, and what are we here for? Is to share the good news of Jesus with others, and so the good works that we do highlights. Uh, why we do what we do, why we say what we say, why we talk to people about Jesus, because uh, our life is different. Uh, the life that God has called us to live is different, um, and it's glorious, and it is good, not because we do it, but because God does it in us. And, and I would, and and let me just, um, we're we're at about oh fifty minutes or so, so we have maybe ten minutes to flush out this idea. Um, really good discussion on on. I felt it was a good discussion on good works and, and understanding the, 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 the sphere in which they reside and the purpose to which God has enabled us to do them. But now I would like to pose to our listeners a what-if scenario. And, and maybe we can flush this out for them a little bit. <clears throat> what if our mindset became more gospelly centered in the sense of saying the things that I'm going to engage in in my life are going to be focused and flow from Christ. What if that happens? What would it look like? What if when I left church, I actually heard what God was giving to me and I received in, in a believing heart, what God shared with me from his altar um, and from his hand as he gave me his body and blood. What if that, that had an effect? What would that look like? I think that's the mindset that, that needs to sort of seep in to the bones of, of Christianity. We talked about how American Christianity has failed. And I think American Christianity, as we said last week, failed because it's become so secular and it's become so individualistic individualistic, and, and very much uh, um, everyone's a social justice warrior. <laughs> but, yeah, not dealing with guilt the, the right way. Right. But what if, what if with all of those points and, and we look at the purpose and we look at the sphere of where these good works flow from, what if when we sat in church we actually heard God speaking to us through the gospel as he does. And, and when we left, we didn't throw it out of our heads. What would that look like? What if that happened? And I think that's where the sphere of, of sanctification and good works 
kind of plays. For the Christian leaving the church, and they, they recognize that they're, they've heard the gospel, their sins have been forgiven, they're, the machine that they are has been fixed. And then just to go live and not to dwell on the past or say, well, I'm going to do the bad thing again or I'm going to do the stupid mistake again or I'm going to fail again. It's not about failure. It's about Christ engaging with you in the word. And you're making decisions and choices throughout the day and thinking back on those decisions and the choices that they made and saying, you know what, this is awesome that I did this even when I'm pretty sure I could have done that. I could have done the sinful thing or the selfish thing, but instead I let somebody else go ahead of me. Or, you know, I, I didn't just do the Wisconsin wave through for one car. I let two cars by. Or just the uh, idea of I uh, reached out to somebody that uh, never calls me, but I always have to be the one that calls them. But I'm going to call and reach out to them so that they would know that I, I care about them and that, and more importantly, that Jesus cares about them. What if that was our, our mindset of living who we are in Christ rather than what we have to do in order to be a, a follower of Christ? Yeah, and I think that's the, the, the ultimate question. And, and, you know, we give examples, and, well, you give more examples than I do <clears throat> because I, I shy away from that because I, I, I think so often we get drawn back, which brings us back to the very beginning of the podcast, we get drawn back to the idea that... that we now have to do those things and they become a law. And as soon as we start saying that, as soon as we start thinking that, um, it, it takes sanctification and just throws it out the window. It, it just, it just throws it right out the window. Um, because sanctification is, is the thanks and praise in a life lived in the shadow of the cross. I, yeah, I didn't mean to. I'm not t- saying you did. Your, men- yeah. your, your members that they need to make the phone calls. I think if you are listening carefully, dear listener, that whenever a pastor preaches sanctification, a good Lutheran pastor is going to finish it by saying, "Be who you are, be who God has made you to be," and focusing on you do this not because I told you to, or I'm just giving you some examples. I'm just throwing throwing some mud up against the wall. But be who God has made you to be in Christ. Uh, Christ has engaged you in his word, and He has his Holy Spirit is living inside of you. Be who God has called you to be. Be the child of God. Be that foreigner, an alien, the person who doesn't truly belong here but belongs in heaven. Because uh, you do belong, uh, dear listener. You do belong. Even when it doesn't, you don't feel like you belong anywhere, you do belong. You do belong in, in God's uh, in heaven. You do belong to be with Jesus. You do belong to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what you've done in the past, because of what Jesus has done. God wants you to be with him. Um, and so live as a person who does belong. Live as a person uh, who uh, is a follower of Christ, because that's who you are. Yeah, and once again, dear listener, um, I mean, just bringing it back down um, so that we understand that... that um, this is not going to be easy. Um, I'm not going to regale you with all of my failures, um, but I will tell you that I'm forgiven. And those have been learning experiences for me to to continue to grow and understand where I am weak. Um, 
I will tell you also that um, during this entire thing, even now as we're talking, um, we have a sinful nature that wrestles with us, and it does not get put down as often as it should. Um, and so every moment we engage with the creation that God has given to us and, and as new creatures, uh, creations that God has made in us, we have that old rust that just fight, fights. I'm going to tell you a quick story just because I can. And you have to listen to it unless you shut us off. Um, which you are free to do. Which you are, but don't. <laughs> That's the law. <laughs> I, I have I have an older car. I love my excursion. It's 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 beautiful and it's white and it's big and it is not good for the environment and I love it for that. Um, and it and you know you get into it no matter what you do it's ten miles a gallon. That's just that's what it gets. That's how it is. Um, anyway. I'm fighting with rust on the doors. There's, it just, it happens. And so every year, every other year, I, I'm going back at it and I'm spraying it with, with rust deterrent and I'm, I'm repainting it and I'm putting, uh, you know, Bondo on it, whatever I can do to try to stop this from happening. And, and that's kind of what the life of a believer is, you know, that we, we've been this new, cre- it looks really good. I mean, if you drive by school, you're like, wow, that, that looks like a nice rig. You know, it, it, it looks well kept up. There's, there's rust coming through. Um, and I'm always fighting that. And, and that's the sinful nature that that's always coming through it. it it's going to taint everything that we do. It's going to taint everything that we are. Um, God's still going to use us because he's promised to do so. But realize the law is still going to apply in both in, in all of its effects, right? We, we, we are not highlighting the third use of the law and then denying that the law is still a curb and a mirror. No, it is. Um, and, it, and it remains so. But it also is this wonderful gift for us to engage with um, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and I, 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 we can't leave without saying that and making that very, very clear because I, I think our people need to know that it is going to be a, a, a very big struggle it, it just is. And, and you are never going to be perfect and you're never going to do this right on this side of heaven. It just isn't going to happen. So don't give up. Don't give up trying to do it. Don't look at your failure and say, that's it. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm, it's not worth it for me. Uh, church is done. Now what? Uh, we talked about the double meaning of that. It's not just about that the uh, American church has failed, but also in our own churches from Sunday to Sunday, let's figure out in our own minds, let's uh, start thinking again, what if, what if I lived um, with as the Christian that God has called me to be? What if I looked at my good works in a completely different way than the world does? What if I looked at my good works as if this is uh, in line with God's, it's actually God working through me, it's evidence to me that the Holy Spirit is working, it lasts longer than anything that lasts here, and it helps serves the gospel because the gospel is what matters. The gospel is what we need to spread with others. So spread your nets, friends, because that's who you are, because Jesus loves you and you belong.